This episode is supported by Earn In. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn now can be in your hands today with Earn In. Earn In is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Super, super easy to use. You just download the Earn In app and verify your paycheck. Then you can access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. So the app is free. You can leave a tip if you want. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So here's the thing. Sometimes getting close to your next paycheck, next pay period, and you realize, oh gosh, like paycheck doesn't come until next Friday, but we have this event that we need to attend this weekend and we need money for it. Or we have to buy a gift for someone. Or, oh my gosh, like my kid tore through their shoes and now we have to buy new shoes this weekend and the money's not in the bank yet. So Earning can help you access the money you've already earned at work by giving you this little bit of money in advance. So make Earnin part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability and security, and it gives me a lot of peace of mind. So for our listeners, all you need to do is download Earn In today. It's spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, and you can download it in Google Play or the Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, type in Shameless Mom under podcast when you sign up. So there'll be a little place where you can, where it says, what podcast did you hear about them on? Type in Shameless Mom under podcast. This helps to show support for our show and our advertisers. Earn In is a financial technology company, not a bank, and subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust member FDIC. This is the Shameless Mom Academy episode 687 with Peter Mutabazi. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 687. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community, so be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Peter Mutabazi is an entrepreneur, an international advocate for children, and the founder of Now I Am Known, a corporation that supplies resources that encourage and affirm children. A single father of one white son and foster dad to many, Peter is a former street kid from Uganda who has worked for World Vision and the International Committee of the Red Cross, and has appeared on media outlets such as the BBC and the Today Show. A passionate and popular speaker, he currently lives in Charlotte, North Carolina. I'm so delighted to welcome Peter back to the show. He recently released his first book, Now I Am Known. And when I heard that he wrote a book about his experience of not being known and literally not having a name as a child living on the streets of Uganda, all the way through his present day reality of having fostered 27 children, I knew I wanted him to come back for another conversation. Peter, just like the first time in the show, was so full of heart and passion and compassion and so full of life and emotion. I'm just, I'm always so touched when I hear him speak and so honored that he said yes to coming back. So listen in to hear Peter share the current makeup of his family that includes his adopted son, three foster children, and two dogs, 
How his experience growing up as a street kid in Uganda informed his life and his commitment to helping other children who have traumatic pasts. How one stranger seeing him through a different lens changed his life entirely and how he's used that experience to see others through a different lens. How to meet your children where they are at versus where you want them to be, which was an eye-opening lesson when he talked about this and gave some really specific examples. His advice to those living in survival mode, his really important mission with his book, Now I Am Known, and all the ways that we belong to each other as he supports foster kids, biological parents, and asks his community to step up and support him and other foster children. This was such a special conversation. I'm so excited to welcome back to the show, Peter Mutabazi. Peter, welcome back to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so happy to have you here today. Well, truly a joy to be here with you. Thank you, Sarah, for having me uh, and coming back. Yes. Yes. So I always like I tell people kind of as a joke, but also very seriously, anytime they come on the show, I'll say, when you write a book, you got to come back and talk about the book. And you were one of those people, you went and wrote a book. (laughs) So congratulations. You birthed the book baby last or two weeks ago. Um, And I'm so, so happy for you. How does that feel? It feels good. I mean, it's encouraging me like you guys who, you know, you you should write it so we can read it. So finally, I listened, you know, (laughs) this is almost like two years ago when you said you should write. I'm like, "Mm, okay, yeah, it's been wonderful. Absolutely. You know, to see people read it at the end of the day, tell me what they feel or what encouraged them or things that made them pause. It's been wonderful to listen to those. Absolutely. I always start off asking people to share a little bit about their personal and professional life beyond their bio and what's most exciting right now. And I'm guessing the book is what's most exciting right now, but anything else you want to share about your personal professional life? And especially I know about your family situation right now, because that's something that's always evolving as a foster parent. Right. Absolutely. So I live in North Carolina in Charlotte. I love what I do. My job is to truly advocate for the most vulnerable, especially children, you know? So the last time we talked, I think I've had seven kids so far. And as of, as of 10 days ago, I got a three-year-old. So you can imagine, you know, having a three-year-old kind of, I look one side and he's already on top of the fridge. I look the other way and (laughs) and I can't keep up, you know? Yeah. So he's probably been the most wonderful thing to have and and have him and, and learning from him as much as, you know, my book, it can survive, you know, but having a little one has been really a joy. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And so I'm going to definitely in the show notes, I'll link to our past conversation. Cause we really, you really talked through in our per- first interview, how you got into caring for foster children and what that is the evolution of that, which I know we'll also dig into a bit today, but tell us what your current family makeup looks like. Who's living in your household right now? So right now I have, uh, you know, a three-year-old, a six and seven sibling, and then my adopted son. So four, including me and two dogs. That's who, you know, what really forms my entire family. (laughs) And you post the most amazing pictures on Instagram and the dogs, of course, the children are adorable and they like, they're always at the sweetest family photos, but your dogs are so stinking cute. (laughs) (laughs) They're my therapists. I call them my therapists. They tend to really help each one of us at home. And it's a joy to have, you know, have them. It's one thing my kids come looking forward to. Where's Simba? Where's Rafiki? Oh, they're so, and their names. Oh my goodness. They're so, so sweet and so cute. And I would imagine they're therapeutic for the children as well. Absolutely. I mean, you know, when, when they don't want to talk to dad, they know what to do, you know, or when they cry, you know, you get to see the dogs come alongside and say, I'm here. What can I do? And it's been, they don't charge me so much money. So, which is good. (laughs) 
Yeah. Tell us a little bit about your background and why you wrote the book, because my understanding is the book really dives into how you got to where you're at right now and your whole, I want to say concept, but like it's your concept, it's your brand, but now I am known. This is, it's a really, really personal story to you. Yes, absolutely. So I realized that people would say, Peter, you're good at what you do as a foster dad or as a dad or as a teacher or as a speaker, you know, but I thought, wait a minute, you know, I didn't just wake up and say, I want to be a foster parent. Like, I really want to show people how far I had to come. But also I wanted my kids. I think they love me as their dad, but I wanted to show them like, hey, you love dad, but he didn't grow up, you know, in a good home. He didn't have a good childhood, but he was able to overcome what he went through that maybe you might understand if can if dad can do it we can do it as well but also i have also so many friends you know you know, people have gone through divorce or, or abusive families that I wanted to encourage them like, hey, we all have a past, but we can use it for good. That That's what I chose to do, you know, to use my platform rather than as warming, how dare, but to say, hey, this happened to me, but how can I use it to truly save my own life and the life yeah. of others? And also show like we can all be the odds, you know, if we, we, we let the past kind of somehow not take our future, you know, that I wanted to encourage others that, you know, I could not bring my past in my future because I knew it robbed me of what the future I had. And that's the reason why I wrote the book. But also I wanted, you know, to really make sure that we can do the best we can to make every child seen, heard and known because that's what he did for me. He made me known. I was just a street kid who had no name, but he gave me a name. Mm, Oh my goodness. You have such an incredibly powerful story. And I love that you are so conscientious about sharing your story so that other children and people feel less alone in their stories. I think when we come from, if you come from background that includes a lot of trauma, there's often not a safe place to go or people that you can relate to and to try to find people whose stories are relatable can be extremely vulnerable, really uncomfortable, and just sometimes not feel safe at all. And you really provide that to say, here's what I went through. And that makes you this like safe landing place for other people and children who have trauma in their past. Right. Absolutely. You know, it's truly been a joy, but also like I wanted to highlight, we have friends in our lives or we know people, but they do things and you're like, why do they do that kind of stuff? But I think when we understand the background of who they are, it really helps us to have empathy for them. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, I see, you know, like I've had kids who text and call me all the time. It's not like they are really nagging me, but they're afraid that if I don't hear from him, he probably, I won't see him again. So they are always worried of they might leave and never see them again. So by texting or calling in some way, assurance that he's there, he's our dad, you know? So sometimes, yes, when we see what people do and why it really helps us to love them in a different way. Absolutely. I'm thinking right now of a friendship where I, where communication felt really challenging at a certain point. And I, in having a conversation with this friend realized that they can't, they had a lot of trauma in their childhood in their relationship with their parents and communication was really tricky. And so they were often just really closed off to like any communication that would be uncomfortable. And sometimes like being vulnerability and like being really personal and intimate in in a friendship was just really hard for them. And in learning that I was like, Oh my gosh, like now, now that I know I'm like, 
be who you need to be. And I'm not going to be offended. But prior to knowing that I'm so like wrapped up in my own thing, like how dare they not text me back kind of a thing. And now that I know I'm able to hold space for that relationship in a different way, but I'm also able to completely understand why one person shows up differently than maybe I show up or than other, than other people show up. Absolutely. Empathy. That empathy really helps mm-hmm. us to go farther in our relationships and, and understand those who are different yeah. from us or unique yeah. from us. Yeah. In the book, you talk about taking the first step to fulfilling your potential after trauma and abuse. Can you share how you were prompted to take that first step? Well, so for me, I grew up from a place where there was no hope. Like literally, I couldn't think about tomorrow. There was no way in my life that I had an opportunity to say, maybe there's tomorrow for me. We didn't have food. And as a street kid, there was nowhere to eat, you know. Uh, I saw and, where, my- rem- and remind me where you were, remind listeners, where did you grow up? I grew up in Uganda and I became a street kid, street you know, screen in Uganda. So in my village, you know, life was so miserable. There was never enough food. And as a street kid, also in Kampala, I mean, think about like I buried my friends. Why? Because they ate something wrong and they died. They slept under the bridge and, the, you know, we had a like a storm and somehow they ended up somehow dying. Or, you know, we would sleep under the bus and they would lose their lives because someone drove without rechecking. So for me, there was no really glimpse of hope in any shape form until this man came into my life. Once he provided for me a meal, I think I began to really think through okay, I have food for Monday. I don't have to steal on Monday. So I took one step, you know, that Monday is a day that I don't have to do anything to struggle to get food. And once he did that every day, every other week, it really helped me to have a glimpse of one day in life where I don't really have to struggle. So for me, I learned by taking the small steps rather than the big ones, but what are they, those small steps within my life today that I can bank on, you know, mm-hmm. uh, as a street kid, that was food. That's all. If I had food, then I was okay. Mm-hmm. And I think in life, sometimes we over, you know, we want to think about, you know, the five years from now that we forget, like really it's the steps today that mm-hmm. will help me see the tomorrow. And yeah. for me, that's really what helped me. And for us kids who come from a place where uh, trauma or never having enough is like, it's hard to really think beyond when you don't have what to you know for today yeah. but when i have safety today when i have something to eat today then it helps me to think there's tomorrow mm-hmm. so taking the first step is the small steps really that sometimes we we overlook you know or we really don't think through but i think for us who've gone through trauma it's those small steps that help us and that's what helped me to look beyond that and i'm imagining that is when children come to live with you Is that something that you're kind of training in them as well? Like helping them see and be able to identify and find safety in little things and recognizing what they can rely on if they've come from a background where things are so unreliable. Right. Absolutely. And every child comes with different, you know, different things on how they face some food, yeah. you know, that we eat food and they just can't stop because, um, you know, you realize like, oh, their worry is that there may be no food tomorrow. I mean, that's why they're worried. So then I'll find steps on how to really help them know like, hey, there's food for tomorrow. So for example, I get to write there on their food, their names on it and put it in the fridge. Mm-hmm. So then they know, okay, it has my name on it. So that means it will be there tomorrow. I don't have to worry tonight, yeah. you know, or some who would go to bed and they're worried that someone's going to harm them. Well, what do I, how do I help them to know like, oh, it's, it's going to be okay to live a light 
to promise them I'm in the next door, to promise them they can call, to promise them that if they're worried, they can walk in and come and talk to me. So mm-hmm. to give them the assurance, like here's a few steps you take mm-hmm. if you go in that vulnerable space. But yeah. each child is different and I get to learn, you know, what are those really that can really help them feel safe and loved and in a place where uh, it's okay to be who they are. Yeah. I imagine there's a process of trust building with every single child. And that looks probably very different in terms of what needs to be done to build trust. And then also the length of time it takes to build trust. Correct. You know, some take longer than the others, you know, and it's, and and too, like I've learned that I do not deserve to know their story, but Mm. I, I need to earn it, you know, and I earn it by how I treat them, how I give them that platform to feel that they're okay. That just because you live, you know, under my roof, I have no right to to truly in some way demand I should know, but really say, I'll guide you and I'll help you. But if you feel comfortable, you can tell me if not, it's still okay. Mm -hmm. I still love you as who you were. And I need to earn that right to know that. This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. This episode is supported by Nutrafol. Did you know that hair thinning will happen to approximately one in two women? If you're among them, you are not alone. Thinning hair is normal, but it's not openly talked about, so it can feel lonely and frustrating and sometimes even embarrassing when you're going through it yourself. Join the over one million people who are doing something about their thinning hair with Nutrafol. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist-recommended hair growth supplement with over one million people seeing thicker, stronger, faster-growing hair with less shedding. Oh my gosh, I am a heavy shedder, so if you are a heavy shedder or if you are someone who's wanting to thicken your hair, I definitely want you to try out Nutrafol. I have loved using it myself, and I know multiple other people who've used it and have found great results. While many supplements rely solely on ingredient studies, Nutrafol clinically tests final formulations to ensure their efficacy. In a clinical study, 86 
6% of women reported improved hair growth after taking Nutrafol women's hair growth supplement for six months. To get started, you can take their hair quiz on Nutrafol.com, which will give you a personalized health plan based on your special root causes. Nutrafol is committed to helping you identify root causes of any shedding or hair loss so that you can really start to rebuild healthy hair in a way that is customized to you. So take the first steps to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code SHAMELESS. Find out why 4,500 healthcare professionals and hairstylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Go to Nutrafol.com. That's N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code SHAMELESS. Nutrafol.com, code SHAMELESS. How long do children typically live with you? I, and I know from following social media that there's oftentimes where I see kids, well, I'll back up. I worked with Child Protective Services in college. I don't remember if we talked about this in our previous interview, but I worked with a lot of placements that were like, just for a few months at a time. And when I watch on social media, I know you often have placements that are longer than that, but they're still temporary placements. So is there like an average length of time that kids live with you? Three months. You know, that's how okay. I really say three months, you know, okay. like, like right now I have him, he's 10, but I'm, you know, just for 10 days, but I know it's okay. going to take longer than that before okay. we can find the next of kin. So okay. it, it valleys, you know? Um, yeah. 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 Sometimes I have them for a weekend and I think it's just for the weekend. And then they're like, wait a minute, I'm going to adapt to you. I thought you were here for a weekend. You know? uh, was that your, was that your son you adopted? Was he just supposed to be for the weekend? Yes. For the weekend. Sarah. <laughs> I, could, I didn't remember that. That's amazing. Weekend. I said, weekend I can do. And then it's like, oh, okay. You know? <laughs> So good. But I mean, hey, when you know, you know, right? Like you had this incredible bond and it's really, really cool to see again on Instagram, which, you know, things on Instagram can be different than they are in reality, but just to see how it seems that he engages as this really incredible big brother to the the other kids that come into your household. Correct. Yeah. And I understood foster care can be really challenged when you don't, you know, like I have to remind myself like, Hey, foster care, that means I have kids temporarily, you know, mm-hmm. them staying or being adopted. That's something I, it's not like I don't think about it. I do, but I think for me, I am big on all reunification for kids to mm-hmm. go back home, but also it helps me to love them and have in mind that, Hey, I'm they're temporarily with me. And that really helps me to truly not be surprise, you know, when things change as well. And you get to be the person. So you had someone in your life that shifted everything for you. And like you said, like he was the person that all of a sudden helped you realize like, I'm going to have food and to have food security. And then I know that evolved into a lot of other levels of security by having this one person. And so you get to be that one person for children for sometimes a very short amount of time, sometimes a little bit longer amount of time, but I would imagine it feels I know it's a lot of work, but I imagine it also feels like a big honor to be that person in their life. Correct. Absolutely. To know that someone can entrust you to be a dad to that kid, to that little boy, to that little girl is a big honor, you know, and then I'm honored. And that's how I look at it. You know, sometimes, you know, people say, Peter, those kids are lucky to have you. And I'm like, no, I am the one lucky to have them, you know, that I've always wanted to be a dad, but someone has given me an opportunity to be a dad to kids that are not mine and to make sure that I take that seriously, you Mm -hmm. know, with dignity and honor that, man, I am blessed that I can be be their dad. And, and that's what for me, someone did for me. And for me, it wasn't like he even gave me shelter and food for me by name, knowing me by my name, you know, mm-hmm. for five years, no one knew who my name was. My name was P 
Peter, you got, you know, it was garbage boy, dusty boy, street boy, mm-hmm. dirty boy. The words, that's how people described me. And I believed them. That's what I looked like. That's mm-hmm. how I smelled. But for this man, he said, what is your name? And I told him my name was Peter. And from there, he mm-hmm. always came and he would ask for this kid called Peter. And for me, he reminded me of what my mother called me. You know, in some way, he brought so many memories of who my yeah. mom was. And that really gave me a little glimpse of dignity like oh i'm a human being because someone knows my name and i think with us as foster parents too sometimes when we give them that little dignity to know hey i'm gonna make sure you call mom i'll make sure you meet your mom i'll do the best i can so you can get to see the one who loves you the most and i think that gives them a dignity to know i am not just lost i'm not just moving from house to house but this family wants me to know who my mom is love my mom, despite of anything else, that they still support me in that. Yeah. Yeah. When you talk about this man who supported you and helped you in such a special way, you point out that he really helped you see yourself through a different lens and he really helped you start to shape your identity in a completely different way. And looking back, how did this form how you see others and how does this continue to inform how you support the children and connect with the children that you work with? Well, just think about like, you know, I think for me, like I never had any kind words from my dad. Like all I had was, Peter, you will never amount to anything. I wish you were never born so I don't have to feed you. You get to feel like, why am I on earth? Like maybe you know, my life should be over because the person who should protect me thinks I should not be alive. And to see that that man did the the opposite, you know, he changed the way I looked at myself. For me, literally, I ran away not because I was looking for hope. I ran away so I can die in the hands of someone else, not my my father. So my whole idea of running away was to end my life, you know. Mm. But in the midst of that, that someone saw the best in me that nobody yeah. saw, you know, that yes, I was called garbage on the streets. Yes, I was miserable. Yes, I didn't see any hope in any shape, form. But somehow he saw the best in me and my lowest that he could come and say, Peter, how was your day? And for me, that really made me feel like, oh, I have a name. Because before, for those five years, I didn't feel I have a name, you know. But two, how he treated me with honor and dignity. And I think the more he did that, the more I began to say, wait a minute. If he thinks I'm special, maybe I'm special. If he thinks I matter, maybe I matter, you know. Sometimes I'll overdo so to please him. And he'll say, Peter, you're enough. You don't have to Mm -hmm. do anything. And to see him do that, I think for me, helped me to really revisit my own self because before stealing was just a normal way of survival. But now I was like, wait a minute, if thinks I'm special, if thinks I, I matter, maybe I shouldn't, I should ask gently for the food because mm-hmm. this man thinks so right away, the things that, that he reflected on me helped me to really think of the decision that I made. Like, wait a minute, you know, I went to school. I had no boundaries. I didn't know rules. You know, I could beat someone just for standing in front of me because I thought that's the way I can defend myself. But for him saying, Peter, I am mad and I belong, that made me pause. Wait a minute. I don't have to hit this person because he says, I belong here, you know? Mm-hmm. So the same that I get to do with my kids, you know, yes, yeah. they get to do things. And I'm like, oh, what? You know, <laughs> we, we went to the store one day and my, one of my kids put one arm up and went through the shelf and everything was just oh, no. flying off. Oh my gosh. And I had to run in front. And all I had to do was I picked up two sugar and I dropped it on the floor. And he looked at me he's like, you're 
doing that? Well, you're doing it too. But in some way that I visited his own trauma first before I could say, how dare you? You know, I had one kid. I saw him, you know, every time I went to the store, he would steal, you know, candy. And I I was like, why does he go to the bathroom? And I was like, "Hmm." so I saw him go. And also I got some candy and I found him in the bathroom and I said, man, this is so good. You know, where's yours? And he's like, he literally, he's looking at me like, did he just steal candy like me? I'm like, "Mm, yes. But we had a conversation after because I was able to say, look, I did this for a living. That's how I survived. But a stranger changed that for me that I didn't have to, I would have ended in jail or died. Mm -hmm. But he changed that for me. And I want to do that for you. What can I do so you don't have to do? And the poor kid, he told me the reasons why he was taking candy. And I told him, hey, if you... Every time we come to the store, you have $2 to spend on any candy you want. And trust me, he never, never did that again because he knew I understood where he was coming from. But I didn't judge him for that. Mm -hmm. But I went in his own shoes and I said, this is how you feel. But also it can lead to danger. And this is how he helped me. Mm. Maybe it can help you as well. And that really changed life for him. So yes, it's my only way to parent. Really be in their shoes and and look through my own life when those things change for me. And in the eyes of trauma to say, how do I meet them at where they are? Not where I want them to be. And I think as parents, Mm. that's why we want, you know, we've walked that journey. We're like, you should listen to this. You should know how to make the bed. Well, it took me 30 years to learn how to make that bed. This kid is just five, you know? So if if we could stop sometimes and say, hmm, okay. I feel like all of us are like, we just got a made like a whole parenting one-on-one class there. Such a great point to meet kids where they're at versus where we want them to be. And it's so interesting. And probably because of the way that most of us were parented, that if someone breaks the, if a kid breaks the rules, we're really quick to jump in and be like, no, that's not the rules. Like you can't do it that way. You can't steal the candy or push all the cereal on the floor at the grocery store or whatever the thing is, rather than really stepping into their shoes and seeing their life through their experience, through their lens, and then identifying like, okay, what's going on? How can I help you? And all this. And that's, I mean, you're doing that in foster parenting, but also like, this is significant in any kind of parent, you know, in any parental role. Correct. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I'm thinking as my son yesterday got in trouble at school and I'm like, I could have handled that differently. <laughs> well, that's you. Absolutely. You could, right. you know, right. uh, I mean, we talked, know. we talked it through, we did talk it through and we, there was some, you know, empathy and compassion involved, but it's just interesting. Like our go-to responses are typically what we were raised with or what we have seen. And sometimes we don't think through like, is that, really the most impactful or the most meaningful or the thing that's going to actually help our children get what they need versus like us just feeling like we're, you know, checking the box and like doing parenting through like some sort of template or something. Right. And I'll give you an example. Sorry for being honest, but my three-year-old, every time we get in the car, like literally all he does is like, I'm going to unbuckle right now. (laughs) And he wait until I begin moving, you know? I'm going to embark and I'm like, oh, but he's what I've tried to do. I pull over and I look in his eyes and say, okay, but what, why do you, you know, why do you, do you like this button? You know, do you like to do that? You know, mm-hmm. but by saying, Hey, if you do, we're not going to go anywhere, but if you stop, we will go anywhere. And I mm-hmm. promise I'll do something rather than how, you know, like my first reaction is like, I'm going to 
this kid is in trouble, you know? Right. Right. But, like but, that's but, a dangerous thing. So yeah, your exactly. response is like, Oh my gosh, they can't do that. <laughs> right. But every time now he does, but less, because I look at him and say, son, I love you, but why, you know, yeah. in a gentle way, why? And he's like, hmm, why, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I've learned truly what I see as abnormal to someone else, especially our kids isn't abnormal. It's normal. It's yeah. how they get attention. It's how they want your attention and how you, they want you to be hard or be, them be had in some way that they would do things that are awkward. Right. You know? I feel like you are a foster parent whisperer or foster child whisperer. Like you're making it sound like these situations that would be maybe frustrating or overwhelming to a parent. You're making it sound like you just do it with ease. And I know you've had a lot of practice, but are there times when you get overwhelmed or frustrated or like there's just where the stress is a lot for you and you do hit a limit or have a hard moment in parenting? Yes. You know, absolutely. (laughs) Okay, Okay, good. I'm glad you're human. (laughs) I do. So, but I do it in two different ways. So if I'm in a face and I feel frustrated, I really honestly say, dad is really frustrated right now. Mm. Could you give me five minutes? You know, so like, I have to be honest how I'm feeling. Like, could you give dad five minutes? Because I, you know, I'm not feeling good for, for now, for how you're responding. Or I go to my my closet and I just kind of like hit my head on the wall. I'm like, gosh, I can't. But I think that honestly, I'm a single dad. Like I can't, I don't have extra two minutes to go away. So I've learned mm-hmm. how to say, you know, dad is really frustrated right now. And I'm really sorry you have to watch this. Or I'm really mm-hmm. sorry I'm feeling. So and I say, but can I, we say a redo. Can I take a redo? Meaning, can I get better? You know, mm-hmm. but but they get to help me. Or sometimes before I could go there, they're like, Dad, do you need a redo? <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> <"Dang."> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yes, dad needs a redo. Well, two minutes away, you know, walk away. <laughs> right, right. I want to talk a little bit about survival mode because I know that you grew up in like very literal survival mode, like not knowing where you were going to get your next meal, not having uh, a roof over your head at times. Um, and then you are now helping children who are coming from circumstances where they're in survival mode. And often I'm sure they're really carrying that with them when they show up at your house and you're, I'm imagining taking some time for them to let themselves feel comfortable in a new environment with you for people who are living in survival mode. And that can look like a lot of different things. What is your advice to them? It's not like we can never hear. We just, we are aware of it. Like for me, I'm aware of it. If someone is loud, my antennas are like, run, run, mm. run. Because it reminds me of what my father would do, you know? Mm. But now I get to see the antenna run, but say, hmm, it's okay. You're safe in some way. So rather than take me, you know, 10 minutes to think through, it takes me mm. one minute to know, hey, I'm okay, you know? And I try to do that for my kids as well because I know their flight mode, you know, when they yeah. just kind of freeze to know like, hey, how do I, I'm not gonna take that away, but how do I shorten it? How do I make mm. it shorter than longer in yeah. some way? You know, I, I mean, to anyone listening, I would say, you know, <laughs> it's something that we live with. And I think being aware of it is for me, what helps me, you know? Yeah. When my sugar's high and I hear my brains, my breathe, all that, I just get to know, hey, drink water, and come down and that would help mm-hmm. me to feel like I am safe. So we all have a different mechanism on how we really, you know, uh, take control of that. But it's good when you know what are those that really kind of put you in a freeze mode? You know, what are yeah. those that put you in a places where you feel you can't function or you you want to retrieve, you know? And I think knowing and knowing the mechanism on how you can lessen the time 
is is key for me. Like that's that's how you know even talk myself out. Like you know I've had teenagers who they're mad when holes are going through my wall and words mm-hmm. are flying to know. Yeah. Okay, it's gonna be okay to know that. Hey, in in there. On the other side, they really are talking to me, though they are talking to me in a different way that I don't like to listen to. But, you know, like this kid is mad and my job is to listen. And it's not really about me to remove myself from that. Like they are mad, but it's not really about me. It's about them, you know. Mm -hmm. So that really helps me to, you know, uh, to have empathy for them, but also to listen even sometimes to things I don't want to listen to or the way they are talking to me to know, like at this point. They want to be heard and I ought to truly give them an opportunity to hear, to be heard in some way. And that's something I've learned to remove myself. As all parents, you know, we get our kids, they get mad and you're like, is it me or is it hunger? Is it you know, lack, of, lack of sleep? <laughs> 90% or is it... of the time it's hunger. <laughs> Is it lack of sleep or I didn't give them candy? Is it sugar I fed them earlier? Right. <laughs> so I think when we know, hey, it's not really about me, it's them having a, a something they're working through it helps me to be there for them because yeah. I, I get to remove myself from all that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this is, show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily. It's very digestible. And the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Urtube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray, literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived, put it on his toe before he went to bed. And the next morning he was like, mom, 
my toes all better. It was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly. So you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, other types of skin damage. It's totally safe, non-toxic, suitable on all types of skin, even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin. This is also safe for the youngest members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500,000 happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients, active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family. So to get your own active skin repair, go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20% off your order when you use the code shameless. That's activeskinrepair.com. Use the code shameless for 20% off your order. Activeskinrepair.com, code shameless. I so appreciate and I appreciate the way you, you shared that sometimes you have children who are, there's being holes being punched in walls and they're screaming and swearing in language that you maybe don't love. Because I think that that absolutely comes up in parenting. And especially when you're talking about a kid who's experienced trauma and that goes back to what I meant referenced earlier, where I think sometimes we like have this template, like you're not allowed to punch holes in the wall in this house, which is like a very reasonable rule. (laughs) But like, if you go right to like the rule being broken versus like really looking at what's going on and making yourself available to hear the child, then you don't really get to the bottom of anything and you can quickly amplify the situation. And so I appreciate you pointing out that example, because I think it's important the listening piece is really important. And it's different when you're talking about like a three to seven-year-old versus like a 17-year-old in terms of the ways that they might try to be heard that can, and what that kind of explosiveness can look like um, when they're in survival mode or when they go into fight or flight mode and how as parents like to step back and be objective in those moments rather than reactive is incredibly challenging. But I think you're absolutely right that the importance of not making it about the rules being broken and not making it be about like the parents' experience, but really making it about like, what is this child? What do they need to be heard around right now? Correct. You know, and which is really important. And, you know, so for me, I used to steal and I used to fight and I used to, the things that to me, it wasn't like I was stealing so I can, I just survive. Like if I don't take this food now, there's no any other opportunity, you know, mm-hmm. or oh, someone's going to harm me. Like if someone is going to, is looking in my eyes and they're walking towards me, that means they're going to harm me. So I get to find an exit door. Where do I run? You know, mm-hmm. or if I went in a place in a room where there were, you know, parents, especially their dad, for me, I would not be inside. I would be at the exit door because I wanted to feel like I can run out. Yeah. So you can imagine like your, how your, your brain and, you know, why are they thinking through what's, what's my Always. exit? What's my yeah. exit? at 24 seven think about for a kid you know who's going through that you know uh, for us to be the safe place here's what i try to share we get a honeymoon when kids come to us they give us a honeymoon of a week a month depends you know mm-hmm. and then they let it out and usually because they feel comfortable and that's something i'm learning that when a kid lets me know how they feel that means they really love me and they want me to know how they feel we all have friends right yeah. they yeah. usually don't confront you unless they are comfortable with you then they will right. say by the way, what you said last week, I did not appreciate it. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> so the same with our kids sometimes, you know, when they feel comfortable and feel loved, then they let it out. They let it go. So think about they've been in homes and places where they never 
give them the opportunity to really share or let their feelings out by them doing that to you and you do the same that means you're being the same way as the previous families or uh, wherever they're coming from. i don't matter there's nothing i can say you're gonna listen so i'm gonna just give up lying you know to our kids lying is part of who they are because they told the truth they got in trouble mm. they lied they got in trouble so which one do you take Yeah, yeah. But but when you get to really give them an option to say, I am, yes, the other people did not listen to. Yes, but I want to listen to you. Would you give me an opportunity to listen to you? And they see you listening, not once, not twice, about a thousand Mm -hmm. times. Mm -hmm. Then they really get to know you. I I am safe. I can tell what Mm -hmm. I feel, but you love me unconditionally as well. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I appreciate your point about a thousand times because that, I mean, and I would in, you know, in foster care, that would be even a much more significant and important metric, if you will, but that like, you'd have to prove that over and over again. But uh, my child who I've had for 10 years is still like, I got to show him a thousand times that, (laughs) you know, yeah. Like the testing at different developmental stages is really interesting. And like, nope, I'm still here. And, and that's hugely different between like in our family where, you know, I don't think my child is fearful of losing his parents or his home or like a lot of safety and security. And then if you look at that from children who have lost that basic needs before that testing is really significant. And oh my goodness, having to just prove like, I'm still here, I'm still here, I'm still here <laughs> over and over. Yep. I'm here. What? Yep. I'm here. <laughs> So tell us about your work and the book and your mission with Now I Am Known. You know, so I, here's me, my honest to your listeners and to you, Sarah, I want to be a full-time dad. I want to take in 20 kids if I could be allowed. I know I won't be, but you know, <laughs> I would love to take in as many kids as I can, especially teenagers. And also I want to adopt more kids that have you know, that need a forever family. The other part, like I really want to be an advocate for for children, the most vulnerable, especially here in the United States. You know, as a male, there's few of us who are doing so. And I really want to encourage other men to say, hey, it's not a gender role (laughs) responsibility. It is both responsibilities. Like we have to truly take care of our kids. The other part, like I also want to be honest to those who dads who haven't really paid attention to their kids to say, it is not my job to take care of your babies. I do. I do because I love it. But it would be wonderful if you took over from me and really cared for your little one. And there's no need of having seven children. You have no clue where they are and still walk mm-hmm. in our community like it's okay. Well, that, that's me saying. But but I wanted to, you know, the other part, the racial part, like I am a dad. I want my kids that for some reason I have four white little kids that I love so much, you know, but to truly show that when it comes to parenting, when it comes to family, we can be family to anyone, you know, it does not have to be biological. They don't have to look like us, but we have a responsibility to truly be that rainbow, that family that will embrace every child that, that comes along, that needs us. And so for me, that's why I wrote the book. Now I'm not that we can all use a past, you know, I was afraid I would never be a good dad because I never had a good example of a dad, but that man who came into my life has shown me what a father ought to be. You know, you're listening there, you're thinking, my past, I don't think I can do that. I promise you, you can't do that because you've had people come alongside your life and said, here's how it's done. And you can use the examples and you can come alongside, you know. Mm -hmm. The other part is 
of course, we're not all called to be false friends, but we can all do something small. You know, I can tell you, I belong to a group of single men and bo- girls. Do you know why? Because I can call them at three in the morning and say, I have no milk. Can you go get me some milk? And they have no excuse to say, well, my wife, my kids. No, you're single. Go get me some milk. You know? <laughs> I know you got nothing going on. Go get me some milk. <laughs> you know, I've got teenagers. They love to play video games, but I have, you know, these men who like to play video games. And I said, you be a good good influence on my kids. So if you can take my kids twice a month for two hour video games, you've changed their lives on their birthdays. Do you know who they call Sarah? Those guys. Oh my gosh. I love it. You know what? Because they have shown that the positive impact in their lives. And so we can all do something. As I said, it takes a village to raise our kids. And I think, you know, to, you know, to be the wealthiest nation on the planet and have half a million kids in the post care, mm-hmm. it should truly be our responsibility. And that's my journey. You know, if I can find a bigger home and a bus that can take all my kids, I would like to do more. And that's why I wrote the book, really, mm-hmm. to show people that, I walked the journey of every child that I've gone through, naming every physical abuse you could think of, I went through, but I beat the odds. And if so, I can do, we can all do in some way. Mm-hmm. If I can be a parent, I promise you, anyone can be a parent, you know? Yeah. But somehow to me is, you know, too much is given, much is required. We've been yeah. given so much. How can we truly use it to really help our kids in our community? Oh my goodness. Oh, thank you for that. That was so incredible. One of the things I thought of as you were talking was this idea that we belong to each other. And I was thinking through, of course, in the way that you demonstrate this with the children that come and get to live with you for whatever length of time that might be. But also when you talked about talking to other parents and talking to other dads, and it sounds like you were referencing maybe talking to some of the biological parents and of the children that have lived in your home and saying like, Hey, you have an opportunity to step up and support your kid right now. And like, let's make that happen and being, you know, being supportive and helping them understand the significance of that role. And then also involving community members. I was actually going to ask you about your network and who, like, who's your support crew. And you mentioned that there's all these layers that you just mentioned that so beautifully exemplify all the ways that we belong to each other and that you are providing something so significant in your community, but you're also calling on others to do the same. You're calling on other on biological parents to step up. You're calling on your single friends to step up. You're calling on the public to like, go ahead and get licensed to do foster care. And I think that that piece is so critically important that you're serving, but you're also calling on calling others in, in order to step up as well. And that's what a beautiful mission. I can't, I can't think of something more powerful. I'm sorry. It, it, I mean, Sarah, for, even for the you will use your platform to truly, truly, you know, educate our parents on how best we can be. And, and not to judge, like I've learned never to judge my bio parents. Like I don't know how they got there. And my job is to truly help them come alongside. You know, I had a hundred hours to learn to be a parent. I have every resource. I'm educated. I know what to do. Think about when you have a baby at 16 and you grow up from a dysfunctional home who told you to be a, a parent yeah, so sometimes yeah. it's it's the best way that we really get to be there for these kids but yeah. for their parents i foster but i can honestly tell you i foster the parents as well mm-hmm. because i want to give them that little bridge to say hey usually the state gives them 15 minutes a call a week i'm like no i'll give you as many as you want because i want you to truly know that your kids love you and i want you to have your kids back so let me know how yeah. i can step in and truly help and it's it's a joy. You know, uh, some people say, Peter, I cannot do it because I am afraid to be attached. I'm like, mm, actually, 
that's what our kids want. They want someone who has those feelings to be attached. That yeah. means you fight for them. That means you care for them. That means you love them unconditionally. You know, yeah. it's not a reason not to, but it's a reason that we want our foster parents to be. I'm not a robot, I promise you. You know, when these, <laughs> when, when these kids go back, I cry for weeks, to be honest, mm. but there's no greater joy when we give them the blessing to go back to their parents and to come alongside them and say goodbye. Yes, it's hard. I'll be honest, it's hard, mm. but it's the greatest gift I could ever give Absolutely. to these kids. Do you get to be in contact with the children after their after reunification? Yes, Sarah, I have extended family. <laughs> you I know? love it. So the family just keeps getting bigger. It's just yes. evolving and growing. But they are with their parents, but I'm part yeah. of them. Like like yeah. this weekend, my you know, there's two that left last year. They're at Disney, but I was the first one to get the pictures. You know, like oh, Disney. I'm like, yes. You know, next week I get to babysit the three of them because their moms are here for shopping. They're like, can we drop them for a day? I'm like, please. You know. So oh my you gosh, see, you see how my family has extended yeah, by just yeah. saying they are part of my journey and they are part of me and it's it's the greatest don't ask me christmas day and their birthday sometimes i'm like oh what did i sign up for but <laughs> greatest joy and i've had 27 so 27 27 oh my gosh wow mm-hmm. incredible so my final question is always, how are you currently showing up as a shameless mom or in your case, a shameless dad? And I feel like you've just given us 1 million ways, but I'm going to let you still answer the question and choose whatever you want, whether it's digging in deeper on something you already shared or something separate. So Peter, how are you currently showing up as a shameless dad? Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm trying to show up anywhere, you know, like I think before I was like, I don't think that's for me, but really trying to show up at anywhere I can, you know, I volunteer, you know, at my uh, foster care agencies to just see what are other, re- what other ways can I be involved? Even just being teaching someone who's still overwhelmed being their first time to be a foster parent to treat, take those phone calls and say, how can I help? You know, how can I'm using my social media as well to recruit and inspire others to say, hey, today there's a kid looking for you. Could you make that call? Could you open that door? Could you say, yes, that's my day to day showing up as a shameless papa. Love it so much. So, Peter, where can people find you, connect with you, buy the book, all the good stuff? The book, especially. Here's what I'm asking, please. Buy the book. Here's why. If you buy the book, you help me foster more children, adapt more children, and truly also be an advocate for children. You can buy my book, my book anywhere in the store, Amazon, Kindle, name it all. You can find it anywhere. Also, if you want to follow me, you can find me on Posted Dad Flipper or Now I'm Known. We have a YouTube to truly show people there's more than just a picture, but the journey of being a foster dad and our kids are normal. So you can find me on Facebook as well. Peter Tabazi, Foster Dad, Now I'm Known, uh, in any media you can find. And TikTok too. I love to show TikTok. Oh my gosh, Peter, you're everywhere. I love it. Yes. Um, I, I'm going to have to follow you on, I'm not on TikTok, but this, maybe this will be the thing that pushes me over the edge. I love following your Instagram so much. It's just so much fun to see what you and your family are up to. And your kids are always so stinking cute. So I want everyone to go, we'll put everything in the show notes. So we'll link to the book. We'll link to your website. We'll link to YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. Oh, and we'll, we'll link to TikTok. I don't think I have that in here, but I'll add it to my notes. And then if people go to shamelessmom.com, click on the episode with Peter Matabazi, and you can get clicked through right to all of those resources. Oh my goodness, Peter, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for this conversation and for the incredible and really critical work that you are doing in your community, but also the ways that you're sharing that in such a big way to impact other communities as well. 
Well, thank you. We listen to you, by the way, every day. My daughter says, hey, can we listen to Mama's Shameless? I'm like, uh, ah! sure. Oh, my gosh. I love it. That's so great. Thank you for telling me that. <laughs> yes, that's, we listen to you on the radio as we drive. So, Oh, my gosh. That's so great. Thank you, Peter. So I'm going to say it again now. When you write the next book, you can come back again. <laughs> Or anytime you do something that you want to share with the world, you can, you always have a, a spot. You always have a microphone here. I'm always holding one for you. <laughs> Sarah, you're the best. What would we do without you? <laughs> oh my goodness. Likewise, my friend. Thank yes. you so much for being here, Peter. You as well. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be Shameless Mom of the Week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory. Two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And this is our new podcast, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. What happens when your creative spark just seems to disappear? Gone. Poof. Bye. See ya. What happens when life gets in the way of your creativity instead of nourishing it? That's what happened to Molly and me. We felt like the thing that drove us creatively stopped working and impending doom had in fact impended. Totally. So we decided to do something about it. And that was steal ideas about getting unstuck from the most creative people we can find. We talked to guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. And we're not just talking Bob Ross type paint on paper artists here, though we talk to them too. We're talking to actors, creative directors, dancers, and people who are working hard to be their best creative selves in a world that can sometimes feel real uncreative. We all have something to teach each other, so let's steal their ideas together. Join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Pandemics, school calendars, world events, lack of sleep, oh, get out of their life gunk, and let's get back to your best creative self. Subscribe to Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. You're not going to want to miss an episode.
Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking